You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That way you get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. Also, check out the other 12 podcasts in our network. That includes Three Yards Per Carry. There's a big reason to listen to Three Yards Per Carry this week. We'll tip that off a little bit as we go forward in the podcast. Also, check out Miami Heat Beat as the heat season is starting. Goldie on Ice with the Panther season already started. And, of course, Swings and Mishes as they wrap up what happened with the Marlins. Now, you hear a little bit of background music here. Now, Chris and I have done about 130, 140 of these at this stage, God knows, uh, since <laughs> since the beginning of this year. Uh, feels like more. Um, and we've only done three together. So we, we did one. Well, I'm not going to say where we did one because we're not really allowed to say. But we did one together that went fairly well. We did another one from Heat Media Day together. And now today we're at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, we're taping this around 6 p.m., on Sunday, after the Dolphins beat the Bears 31-28, to we have taken over Josh Chappelle's studio here uh, after he vacated, one of our hosts of Smark Your Territory. So we've taken it over. We've cleaned out all of Josh's stuff. Chris and I are going to get to the Dolphins here in the next 30 minutes or so, and then we'll, we'll touch on the Canes a little bit. I know you want to forget that, but yeah. I'm not going to allow you to, so we're going to do a little <laughs> bit of that uh, at the end. We just came out of the locker room, and we're going to cover five things here on the fins, Chris, and I mean, let's just start here. Um, the Dolphins, we broke some news. We broke some news. <laughs> we broke some news. Uh, we're starting to do a little bit more of that as a network, and so you know, we're we're pretty careful about this stuff. I, I think people have forgotten that we have some newsbreakers in the network who've been doing this a long time, and so we are fairly conservative when we put things out. But when we have news, we're going to try to break it. I mean, that's that's how we're operating. We're covering all five major teams in this market. And, you know, we were able on Saturday night to find out uh, that Ryan Tannehill was likely not to play today. Um, Got that piece of information, checked it out with some of our other guys, and then essentially uh, went about confirming it. And we did report. uh, We put it on Dolphin Maven last night. That's a satellite site uh, that we're running. Uh, We put it on there last night, Saturday night, that, that he was questionable, listed as questionable, but actually closer to doubtful. And that the Dolphins had serious concerns and that essentially they might allow him to warm up, but that he was likely not going to play. Um, we also reported, and we're going to get to this a little in a little more depth, uh, that there is something significant there in the shoulder, which is a, a sprained AC joint. Now, the Dolphins did not push back on our initial report yesterday because that one proved to be true. They did push back uh, through some of the beat writers today about the AC joint. Uh, All I can say, Chris, is we're standing by our reporting that there's an issue in the shoulder. Um, We reported AC joint and more. 
And so this may be a semantics issue. Right. And, and Adam Gates today was asked about it three and four times, and by the end he had had about enough of the questioning. <laughs> and he goes, why don't you just go ask him? And we're like, well, Ryan Tannehill probably is not going to be made available today. <laughs> right. And even then he, he, started, he went on about HIPAA laws. Like uh, he was not pleased with the questioning. He's like, oh, I don't ask all these questions about the injury. And I, my first thought was, hang on a second. Yes, you do. It's your starting quarterback. Yes, you do. You're really just going to say, oh, he's not playing, and that's that's the end of my curiosity. Like, you wouldn't you know, exhaust every avenue to get him out on the field? That seems crazy to me. No, look, and the HIPAA thing is something that coaches only go to when they don't want to discuss an injury. And, look, I get it from the Dolphins' perspective. They didn't want it out last night uh, that he might not play because they didn't want the Bears to have more time to kind of prepare for Osweiler. Now, one thing, you know, that we learned more this morning, one of our guys had this – we weren't totally sure about it. Was that Osweiler taken the majority of snaps on Friday? And if he, he, we, he said today that he took like three or four snaps Thursday and less than that on Friday. Right. So there, there wasn't a ton that he actually took. But they look Tannehill's shoulder. You know, barked on him on Friday. They got it checked out again. I know for a fact they checked it out again this morning. And so I think you're going to be hearing more about this. So we are going to get into the game in depth here. But the thing to realize is, and I'm sure the three yards per carry guys, because they were instrumental in us working this story, what they're going to touch on on their pod, which comes out overnight Monday into Tuesday, is that I don't know this is a short-term thing for Ryan Tannehill. Sure. Uh, I just, I you know, and especially now that you're 4-2, and two, if there was any question about him playing next week, I think it tilts more to him not playing. And I do think it could be longer than that, based on the information that we have. So, Chris, let's focus on the game, and then we'll get back into this in a second. But Brock Osweiler did play today, and I think Dolphin fans were freaked out about that when the report came sure, out this morning. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> right. I was on the air, and, and we, were, we were texting, and we were, I was kind of waiting to see you know, when official confirmation might come in, and then uh, you guys said that he was going to warm up and see what was going to happen. Now, Osweiler said after the game that he received a text before he arrived at the stadium. So I imagine after that early morning warm-up, it was pretty clear he wasn't going to play, and Osweiler gets informed that he's going to, that he's going to start. But we were basically like we're, – we're on the air. It was me and Crowder, and we're going – What's the way that the Dolphins win today? Like I had it as thirteen to ten with defense. Right. Like the the expectations for me were so low coming in because you've seen Brock Osweiler at every stop, and you can't assume like I was. I'm normally the most aggressive, thinking you know, go for it on fourth down, right. go and score touchdowns. The Dolphins had the ball with like a minute to play. I'm like, oh, if they punt here, it wouldn't be the worst thing. <laughs> right. Like all was, of a sudden, you turned into Dave Watson. Right, I turned into Dave Watson because yeah. I'm so fearful of Brock Osweiler ruining the game. But fair play to him, he did not ruin the game no. and. I would dare say it was instrumental in winning it. Like as much as Albert Wilson can, you know, it takes those long throws, but he didn't, he didn't make giant mistakes once he got past that, that interception at the start of the second half, but was making plays, was helping the Dolphins move the ball downfield. They had 500 yards of offense today. They did. Like, like w you can't do that unless your quarterback makes some plays and, and fair play to him. I thought he was fantastic. Well, the first, well, the first drive of the game again, punts. So now we've gone and we've documented this uh, last nine games for Adam Gase's team, no matter who the quarterback is, uh, they have eight punts and one fumble. So that didn't start well, but the second drive was good. I thought the issue with him early in the game was they were operating in a very limited box. Um, if right. you look at it, the receivers he was targeting, Amendola had 11 targets today, okay? Um, they targeted uh, O'Leary a lot, okay? Yeah. And it was odd to me, too, that O'Leary comes in off the street and you're targeting him more than Gasicki. Uh Parker had, what, one target the whole game, yeah, right? Yeah, it was, and, it was, and it was the, the interception, interception yeah. which 
tends to happen to Devontae Parker right. a lot for some reason. Go Under, fight for uh, the ball. Underthrown ball. Yeah, that one was tough. He didn't fight for it, again, sure. rarely does, but it was underthrown. That would have been tough That's for him like to That's like the sentence up. on Devontae Parker's Dolphins tombstone is, well, it wasn't the greatest thrown ball, but Parker <laughs> but, could have done more. But, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think at this point what you've seen, and we're going to touch more in part two here on Albert Wilson, but what you've seen is, uh, let's put the Devontae Parker assignment, uh, yeah. experiment to the side, I was pleased let's focus that, on Wilson and Grant. I was pleased that when he came back against the Raiders, he like got like seventy five percent of the snaps. I was like looking before most plays that he was not in the base formation of receivers. It was Stills, it was Amendola, and it was Albert Wilson. Like, I, that was their base three. That's what it should be going forward, in my opinion. Well, exactly. And so early in the game, I thought you know again very limited base of operation. Look, Kenny Stills made a play late, but was not targeted very much in this game at all. So he was really wasn't getting the ball to his outside receivers very much early. But like you said, he did enough to put them in position, and look, they won the game before he won the game. I mean, they yeah. won the game before Kenyon Drake fumbles, and that's going to be another topic here we're going to get into. But uh, he did he did enough. The biggest stat in this game, and I'm going to put it with Osweiler, although they really deserve their own separate category, and I didn't understand why Laramie Tunzel didn't want to speak to the media today because if there's any day to speak to the media, <laughs> this was it's the to day. Take victory lap after negating Khalil Mack. Zero sacks. It's incredible. Not just Mac, the entire team, zero sacks. You're talking about an offensive line that has two pieces that we've had serious concerns about at left guard and, and center. Tunsil coming back off a concussion. You're going against arguably, if he's not the most dynamic defensive end in the league, he's certainly top two or three, and you gave him nothing. And not only that, Osweiler really wasn't pressured. I mean, I'll, yeah. have to, I'll have to break down the numbers on it, but – he had time to throw. He had time to step up. He actually made a fair amount of broken plays where he's rolling out. I mean, the one that mm-hmm. was lucky that came off the defender and fell to well, and fell to Stills. That was lucky, but it was a result of having all the time in the world to throw the football. He was able to move out of the pocket, like you said, and make some plays. And, and I mean, not only that, but I mean, look at the number of throws and and look yep. at I mean, forty four attempts, zero sacks. So the two picks and both of them were ugly picks, uh, but but having no sacks and 44 attempts. And so I know what's next. We're going to get into this as people are going to say, oh, and it's already happening on Twitter. The people who don't like Ryan Tannehill yeah. are going to say, okay, Brock Os- they're going to say, they're not even going to say Brock Osweiler's good. They're going to say Brock Osweiler's not good. And look what he did yeah. in this game where yeah, they we, put we up talk about this points. Dolphins offense and Adam Gase's play calling and all these things that are offensive line and are the skill guys good. Brock Osweiler took over the team, and they had 500 yards of offense. Right. They looked That's, really good. Right. Like At a certain point, it has to be an indictment of the quarterback when Osweiler can come in on basically no preparation mm. and, may, and make this Dolphins offense look like what every Dolphins fan thought that they were getting with Adam Gase, that Adam Gase is coaching and play calling a really good game and it comes with Ryan Tannehill not in there. Like, that's the thing that has to frustrate Dolphins fans. And I've given this stat before, but since 2002, backup quarterbacks for the Dolphins have been 16-32 and 32 coming into today, and Matt Moore was 7-6. and six. So they, they don't – when Matt Moore has not been the fill-in starter, the Dolphins don't win games when their starting quarterback doesn't play, and they did today. And like you said, they rolled up a ton of offense. So – we're just going to have to get used to this. I think Brock Osweiler is going to be not the long-term quarterback, obviously, sure. not even the quarterback who's going to keep his job when Tannehill is healthy. But if Tannehill's injury is not especially serious, and we're talking about two weeks, three weeks, 
if it's an AC joint, okay, as we're hearing, it could be six weeks, okay? Yeah. And so if that's the case, then they're going to have to roll with Osweiler, and he did enough today to make you feel like he can keep you in a game. Keep you in a game and keep the season intact, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I just kind of go into today thinking they're going to lose at home to this Bears team. Khalil Mack is going to rip his arm off. <laughs> I saw Cameron Wolf of ESPN tweeted that the last time Osweiler went up against Khalil Mack, it was in Denver, and he gave up. He was sacked five times by Khalil Mack when he was with the Oakland Raiders on that day. And you just thought that, uh, that you know, Brock Osweiler was going to be bad and was going to throw interceptions and be unable to move the Dolphins down the field. Next thing you know, he's got 500 yards of offense. And it was basically the feeling that I think I, I certainly entered the season with, with Jay Cutler, right, mm-hmm. where, okay, Jay Cutler is not great, but he's good enough to where your, your season hasn't totally gone down you know, just the toilet and it's over, right? I, I thought that Jay Cutler could at least give a reasonable level of performance to keep the season alive. He didn't. Right. It didn't go 3-13, and 13, but I, I thought that Brock Osweiler, like if he started the rest of the year, that the Dolphins were heading towards 4-12. and 12. And I, I, it, you can't leave this game thinking that. Like, you, they might not be good. They might not make the playoffs. Michael 8-8, eight eight, which is the purgatory that the Dolphins fans will live, will live in forever, but – you can't say that it's going to totally go to hell with him at quarterback. The, the one thing we have to consider a little bit, I don't know that this is as big a deal here because it's not a real different style of quarterback, but, again, he wasn't put – Tannehill was not put on the injury report until Friday, okay, in any significant way. I mean, and questionable to mo- – you know, Tom Brady's thrown on the injury report is questionable all the time, and nobody takes it seriously, right? right. It's, just, it's just a hedging position. And so they, and the they, got, they got rid of probable. So you are either questionable, questionable or, or you are not. playing, yeah. Right. So he was put on there as questionable, and then, again, our report didn't drop until Saturday at 9.30, 10 o'clock. And, you know, judging by the fact that a lot of the mainstream media didn't give us credit today. Sorry, I had to throw that in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ESPN. Um, but, uh, you know, basically – I don't know that that many people even saw it. Like, I don't even know that it got to the Bears last night. Right, like, exactly, they, yeah. It might not have gotten to the Bears until today when, when Schefter and Darlington and others tweeted it. So, uh, you know, that, that probably helped them in that regard um, that we're not as big as we're going to be yet. So, anyway. It's, <laughs> so And, and, and it kind of reminds me of when Matt Moore used to come in last year. Mm-hmm. He would have that initial surge. I remember in the Jets yeah. game here last year where he came in for an injured Jay Cutler, has a great game, and then they go on the road to Baltimore and lose by 40. Well, that's like, the other and, thing and, to and consider And that's the concern, here. Well, right, the other thing to consider is Adam Gase's teams don't play well on the road right they do play well at home sure and, and and he has and ck has given this stat a million times here you know on his pod but you know they average more than 28 points a game with ryan Tannehill and adam gase at home so today they scored 28 and what they scored 28 in regulation right yep. so they scored what they typically score during a regular game uh at home they just had a different quarterback doing it so again i, I think that a lot of fans will look at that and say, well, I guess the starting quarterback is not that necessary. And, and they're home with the Lions next week, so it, it's another opportunity it's another here in this game. building. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think Osweiler going forward, you at least feel a reasonable degree of confidence that it's not totally gone, that the season's not gone. And if Ryan Tannehill can come back with even a degree of health, like right. m- maybe you can carry on and, and Tannehill, maybe what we saw the last two weeks was a result of him being injured and not a result of him totally regressing see, and being see, bad. I, I, I wonder, though. I mean, if, if you look at, you know, again, you guys should check it out on Dolphin Maven because we documented uh, C.K. Parrott, you know, Chris Kaufman's tweets on this. The anecdotal evidence on the this is staggering. The anecdotal evidence is pretty clear that ever since he got hit in that Raider game, 
uh, and he came up grimacing with his shoulder that he has not been able to make the throws that he was making before, and I just wonder if that's something that's going to come back the whole season. We'll see. I mean, it may, it may sure. not. We'll get back to today's episode here in a second. I want to tell you first about one of our great sponsors, BetDSI.com. You've got to go there and use the promo code REASON101. You'll get your deposit matched up to $2,500 the first time that you deposit. You can either take our advice or not. In my case, you might not want to do that, <laughs> considering that I'm not having the best run, but at least I still got that bonus from when I made the initial deposits. That gives you a little bit of a cushion. Uh, Chris, other than going against the intel of Five Reasons Sports <laughs> and picking the Bears today, uh, excuse me, picking the picking Dolphins, the Dolphins today. today. I yeah. got that wrong. Uh, picking the Dolphins. What else are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm betting everything. I'm having such a great time over at Bet. DSI.com, doing the live betting, bet some baseball playoffs, bet some NFL and college football, bet some soccer with the Nations League and internationals going on this weekend. Having a great time over at BetDSI.com. There's just, I mean, it's everything. You go to the live section, it's like there's esports going on that you can gamble on around the world. It's absolutely crazy the amount of things you can wager on over at BetDSI.com. Use the promo code REASON101 when you're there. All right, let's move to part two here. You know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but... You know, Albert Wilson right now is their best offensive player. Yeah. And, you know, Rashad Jones is their best player. Again, Agreed. today, fourth day, uh, you know. Are you sure it's not Frank stuff. Gore, by the way, on, on, on offense? Uh, Fra- we'll get to Frank Gore, <laughs> but a- Albert Wilson. Yeah. I- and I'm, I'm going to give you some numbers here um, on Albert Wilson because uh, the Jarvis Landry thing is officially dead. All right. It's, it's gone. All right. Basically, Jarvis Landry today had nine targets, two catches for 11 yards, high of seven. For Cleveland, he's now been targeted 66 times this season for 29 catches, okay? So Jarvis Landry essentially, and you can say it's Baker Mayfield, whatever, okay? The Dolphins quarterbacks are not Aaron Rodgers. He's, they're basically completing about 43% of their passes when they target him. To Albert Wilson, today, again, okay? Not even just the fact, because he had a couple of short ones late, you know, in the overtime when they were trying to get him on some, mm-hmm. on some screens. Boy, does Gase love his screens. Six, six receptions today on nine targets, okay? If you go through what he's done so far, in every game, they've been over 65% trying to complete passes to Albert Wilson. First game, well, was over 60%. First game, three receptions, four targets. Second game, three receptions, five targets. Then two of two, four of six, and five of six. And then today, six of nine. So they're completing, okay, 75% of the passes that they throw to Albert Wilson. And it's not just that they're completing them. He's then ripping off yeah. 70 yards of them. It's crazy. Um, so, I mean, the Jarvis Landry thing, I mean, you're getting him for less than half the price. So, look, we've banged on the Dolphins' front office for a lot of things, uh, but that one, I mean, that makes up for three mistakes, what they did there. Not giving the money to a guy who had limitations and instead giving it to a guy who, frankly, at this point, needs nine targets every game. He needs Agreed. nine targets every game. Agreed. Okay, him and Jakeem Grant. All right, those two guys, and, and obviously Stills. To me, the Parker thing—it's just—it's not going to work. It's just—I I, I, don't—I mean, yeah. still You're banging your head against the wall. It's just not going to work. Okay, you're not going to get any value for him. He's a player who's going to be gone after the season. But what Albert Wilson has done uh, is is just absolutely incredible at this stage. And so, you know, when when I again look at their offseason, Amendola gave them production today. Robert Quinn, no cam, no Cameron Wake. Robert Quinn gave them production. He's the today. only healthy defensive lineman at this point. He's the last one left. No yeah. William Hayes. Obviously, you got the two young guys inside. Uh, but he was he was really, really good again today. And so those have clearly worked mm-hmm. out. And then 
uh, part three, I want to get to the running game. But Frank Gore sure. obviously gave them something today. I want, but, I, I want to just hit on Albert Wilson, though, mm-hmm. and that just how fun it is. We were, we were having an argument today. Uh, Giancarlo Navas, football troll in our chat, uh, was sort of saying, like, what's fun about this? And what's fun is that Albert Wilson can take the ball and do anything with it. Like, it's absolutely incredible to me when you saw, like, you see kind of from our view up in the press box where the daylight is, but Albert Wilson always finds it. And is always making men miss. And yep. you talk about the difference between him and Jarvis Landry is that when given that crack for Jarvis Landry it results in 19 yards for Albert Wilson it results in 70. And it's just such a huge difference. And I totally agree with you. Like they have to get him involved much more yep. than they have in the, fir- in the first few weeks of the season. And I think it, that's another frustrating thing today with Osweiler is that uh, and, with, and, and comparing him to Tannehill is that with Osweiler, you saw him getting the ball to those guys and all you want is this, this dynamic playmaking team to have everyone afforded the opportunity to go and be themselves. Jakeem Grant was afforded that opportunity. Danny Amendola was afforded that opportunity. Mm-hmm. He, he caught a bunch of passes. He did everything that you want out of a player like Danny Amendola, found spaces in difficult places. Before he throws the interception on uh, on the final drive before the end of the half, Amendola finds a hole in the secondary that I didn't see, pops out of nowhere, makes a catcher at the 45-yard line after being at your own one. Amendola mm-hmm. huge today. Albert Wilson, for me, is just such a standout talent. And the fact that they just haven't had a player like that in a while. And the Chiefs' offense is still incredible. Yeah, and, it doesn't and they, matter. And, and they discarded him. You talk about the move with Landry, though. You're paying, you would have paid Landry more than you're paying for both Amendola and Wilson. Yep. And they're your biggest patch, pass catchers today. That absolutely worked out. No, it, it absolutely yeah, it did. And like I said, they got to get him involved more often. But you're right about him always finding space. And you know, so when we talk about Osweiler's numbers today, Let's take into account right. this. It's kind of like with Tannehill <laughs> against the Raiders where he had 90 yards on little pitches. Well, there was that was a seven-yard throw to Wilson, the last yeah. one, that mm-hmm. went for 74. That, which, by the way, it made no. It was a drag pattern. I was like, okay, if he breaks that tackler, he might be able to get 20 yards. But the, he just kept going and going. It's like, okay, I guess he's just going to score then. Well, and as Laramie Tunsil uh, said as he walked by him in the locker room today, he said, that boy fast. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but, ridiculous. But, but he's been a great story, him and Grant both, and, and that's the kind of energy they've had at home. The problem has been sustaining that in any way when they go out on the road because one of the issues that the Dolphins had in both places, uh, and part of it, again, I think is Tannehill's ineffectiveness, and I think part of that had to do with injury. I know the Tannehill haters hate to make that excuse, but just look at the footage that we've posted. Clearly something happened that led to the last two games where I don't think Tannehill's a great quarterback, but he's not an awful quarterback, and he looked like an awful quarterback at times the last two weeks. But one of the other issues they had on the road, Chris, was the receivers weren't getting open. And today they got open, and so they got open against the number one defense. Uh, but also, in the they NFL. were afforded the opportunity to get open by the offensive line. We talked about it. The offensive line pass protecting today and allowing zero sacks and allowing Osweiler the time. I, I can't think of a receiving group in football, maybe outside of the Chiefs, maybe outside of of the Los Angeles Rams, that when afforded the opportunity to just play in broken areas, play in space, mm-hmm. finding the uh, finding the open pockets, the Dolphins receivers did that today a ton, and that doesn't happen without offensive line blocking. And that's what we saw in the second half of the last game against Cincinnati when it all went to hell. Is there's no there's no time, there's no space yep. to do anything, and you just saw the you see the difference that it makes. We'll get back to the episode in a second, but want to tell you about the BetQL app, and here's why you need to download this for free either on Google Play if you're Android or iTunes if you're Apple because you need information. You're not going to gamble without information. It's not enough just to follow Twitter or check websites. You need to go to the people who are actually breaking down the analytics and telling you also 
where the line is moving because that gives you an indication of things that are happening behind the scenes. Vegas tends to know. They tend to know when there's information out there. Chris, what do you got on BetQL? Yeah, BetQL actually helped me win on Thursday night football with the Eagles and the Giants. There was actually, you talk about line movement. The line movement was in favor of the New York Giants. A lot of people were pounding the Giants right before kickoff. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, BetQL says, we still think that the Eagles should be favored by 10 or 11. And they go out and beat the hell out of the New York Giants. So BetQL helping me win money this weekend. And they can help you win money as well. Get that all that information, line movement, betting trends, and also their thinking. Where, where they think that the lines should be. Check it out, the BetQL app on Twitter, at BetQL app, but go to the Apple App Store, go to Google Play, and download the BetQL app today. All right, let's get on to part three here, and I mentioned I was going to talk about the running backs a little bit, and some of this is still strange to me, Chris. I know you talked about it last week, about how, okay, Frank Gore has proven to be more reliable. That's why they're going to him. But what I didn't get about this particular game was, so you're going to Frank Gore in all the open spaces in the field right. where there's room to run, and then you can go to Frank Gore on the goal line or let your six foot eight quarterback go over the top. Yeah, just re- reach his arms out. And that's that's where Adam Gase rediscovers yeah. Kenyon Drake, who, who seems to be in Kenyon his Drake doghouse. Out of a four-wide receiver set up in the shotgun at the one-yard line. And look, I, I, I think... There's a certain amount of the NFL that's all or nothing where, you know, if you're Mike Leach, mm-hmm. you, you're in four receivers at your own one or their one, right? But, I mean, Adam Gase was under center for a lot of the game. The play before, he's got Frank Gore lined up as a fullback and handed off to him to then go. And look, I, I said it in our, in our group chat. The play worked. Kenyon Drake had a pocket of space off the right guard before he was grabbed at by the defensive lineman. The play worked, but... It's still bizarre that, like, you said, you, like know, you said, you, you talk about casting roles. Right. Frank Gore's role is to run in from a yard out because to he, steal an overtime he, victory. He's not fumbling there. Exactly. Like, I didn't even see who got the carry, but when I saw that there was a fumble, I didn't, I didn't see in the initial right. play yeah, from yeah, our yeah. vantage point. I knew it probably wasn't Gore. Correct. And so you look at the game. Gore had 15 carries for 101. Drake had 13 for 57. So give Gase credit for this. They ran the ball 31 times. Now two of them were Osweiler. One of them was Wilson play that but, didn't but work. he's afforded the number of plays, right? He's right. talked about this a ton is that he's got 50 plays to work with. And Osweiler can throw 44 times and you can run 31 times because you ran 75 plays. Like that just hasn't happened for the Dolphins often enough because they don't sustain drives. And that's the thing that's amazing to me is that Osweiler did that much better than Tannehill yeah, did. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be the – I feel like we're wasting time on all these other topics because that's all I <laughs> Everybody's going to talk about it all week. Uh, but Frank Gore has made now two plays that have ended games, essentially, in the Dolphins' favor. He had the 30-19 catch yeah. uh, that ended the one game at home, that, that monstrosity of a game here against the Titans. And then he has the play here uh, you know, at the end that, that puts them in, in you know, field goal range. So, uh, look, that acquisition has worked out too. Uh, you know, uh, but I still think – that they need to figure out a way to get the ball in Kenyon Drake's hands more often. It's better today than it's been. 15 carries, you know, long of 12. Then you look at the the catches. He had six targets. So they yeah. tried today to get the ball to him. But I, I still feel you talk uh, – to me, look, Parker, enough. Okay, uh, you know, their, their best playmakers potentially on this team are Drake, Stills, Wilson, and Grant. And Amendola, like you said, serves a purpose to kind of extend drives and make the tough catch. The ball needs to get in the hands of those. Until Gasicki is ready to really contribute something, the ball needs to get in the hands of those four guys as much as possible. And today, even, you know, again, scoring 31 took you overtime. Uh, 
Stills, you know, not really a factor except the one thirty-five yard catch, which, which was intended for him, which was not intended for him, which was a terrible throw. Yes, into double coverage. It was probably a bad decision. A bad decision when two receivers were in the same spot, which should not have happened. So that that was the definition of a broken play, bad pass, good luck. Yes, hundred percent. So that worked out for them, but. As far as Stills goes, uh, I still want to see him be a more consistent made a, made target. Made a big play on the two-point conversion here. He, that, he that, did. that was huge. But I, I just I, and I, I understand what you're saying. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Right with Drake that, and I, I, I was rating him as not just the best Dolphins offensive player, but the best Dolphins player mm-hmm. after preseason and after what we saw at the end of last year. But I, I saw a play today, and I, I really love coming to football games in person because you just sort of see things and the way that they develop, and you kind of get a, a greater sense for things. There was a play in the second half that Kenyon Drake takes a handoff, and there's a huge hole mm-hmm. between the left tackle and the left guard, and it's right there. Kenyon Drake is sitting in front of it. And he didn't, like, Frank Gore, if he gets that hole, is plowing through it, is putting his helmet through the helmet of the linebacker and is getting eight yards. Kenyon Drake, you know, he's he's stutter-stepping, he's moving around, they got two yards. And I'm I'm, I'm sitting up in the press box, I'm going, that right there is why Frank Gore plays more than Kenyon Drake does. And and while Frank Gore got his longest carry in, like, four years today, the 32-yarder that set the Dolphins up at the seven-yard line, uh, it's more about being in second and six. Mm-hmm. And I think Adam Gase really values being in second and six, and I can understand why, given the kind of l- no-margin offense that the Dolphins run, where you got to get to second and six and then third and two, and then you get a first down, and then you get a second and six and third and two, and you get a first down. Like, I can understand the desire to not want to have Kenyon Drake kind of dancing around. And I will say, you saw signs of it in the, in the game that when Kenyon Drake got into the game, He's like, oh, if I'm losing my job to Frank Gore, I better start running like Frank Gore. And he was hitting some holes, but there was still the odd occasion. And I've heard Adam Gase say it without taking a personal shot at him, but it was like, Whenever, whenever football coaches criticize players, they always say "we." Mm. And it'll be like, "We miss, we miss some holes. <laughs> right. We uh, the we, royal we we. Some, we, we, we. we miss some running lanes." And he's clearly talking about Kenyon Drake. Right. I mean, that's not like taking that, four yards like, when they're that's, there. That's like when Giancarlo Navas of Miami Heat beat us a bad take, and I say we had a bad take today. <laughs> but it's always actually about Johnny. Um, we'll see if he gets this far enough. He's not listening to this no, podcast. He hates football. Uh, but you, you look. I I understand that perspective on it. I still am saying. I really like what Frank Gore provides. I like that you can close with him. Uh, they don't have that many dynamic playmakers Agreed. that this decision that Kenyon Drake is not going to get 20, 25 touches. Uh, he got close today. Uh, but to me, I, I think they need to adjust that. Right, let's get to part four here, which is the defense. And a couple things stand out here. First, I mentioned it. We don't need to dwell on it. Rashad Jones is their best player. Um, he's playing with a torn labrum. Uh, it doesn't seem to matter. He still makes a play that no other safety makes. Uh, Xavier Howard, I thought also, for the most part, was Agreed. excellent today. Uh, had a big tackle. Where the holes are starting to show up now, they missed Bobby McCain big time. Yes. And they missed Bobby McCain big time in part because we've talked about the great acquisition of Albert Wilson, but it appears they've missed on another draft pick. Um, you know, Taylor Tankersley... Taylor Tankersley. Sorry. <laughs> Cord- reliever? Cordray Tankersley. Sorry. I corrected myself immediately. Um, 
he can't get on the field consistently. And right. so they have to go with McTire, who was not really supposed to be part of the plans before this no. training camp. I remember I remember him in training camp last year. And right. like, and people were saying, "Oh, he might make the team." And I, I was, I, would, I was with Channing Crowder in, in the press box for a preseason game last year. Mm-hmm. He's like, "No, he's too small. He's too small." And and we like, saw it today. And, and you saw it today. And it, he didn't get beat for physicality. He got beat because Taylor Gabriel is really freaking fast. Right. right. And like, but Tory McTire just got beat today because he just didn't have enough. He's, to he, he's a fifth corner. Right. Okay. He's a he's a fifth corner special who teams, should be doing that in special teams. Ten snaps a game. But he can't be a starter. And now, and you have Tankersley too, who they they ended up shuffling into the game later for him but by then the damage was kind of done so you're talking about another third round pick who's not developing and you add that to again second round pick Jordan Phillips is in Buffalo you're getting nothing out of Devontae Parker Charles Harris not yeah. up today right and in, yeah. in a situation where you needed another pass rusher you needed bodies, you like needed they, bodies. Lo- they lost Jonathan Woodard in the game and he and was that, he was, that was well big for you. too he yeah. was playing well as a pickup for them after a guy that they got rid of and brought back so the, some of these holes are starting to show up because they haven't addressed certain things now on the good side um I thought the defensive tackles played pretty well today I thought Kiko played well again and now we're, we're at the stage with Kiko where he's made more plays through the first six games of this season than he made in all 16 yep. of last year. The only play I remember him making was the pick six against the Chargers in 2016 that helped them get to the playoffs. But he's made a bunch this year. He, he's, he's, he seems like he's always kind of the last guy that yeah. helps you make the tackle to limit the damage, but not like on the front foot making plays, but again, getting in there on a forced fumble. You're right. Like, And the Dolphins' defense as a whole, like you've seen... Well, uh, twice uh, in their end zone today. Right. I mean, and credit to Matt Burke because we've had a go. We don't know if he's good as a defensive coordinator or not. And... He's kind of underwent a philosophical shift. When they give up the touchdown to 28-21, mm-hmm. it's because they went for a six-man blitz and you got beat. Like, you're going to get beat sometimes yep. when you blitz six and you can't get there. But they're so much more aggressive. Like it's almost, I almost wonder if he's watching the Hurricanes defense be like, that turnover chain thing seems fun. Getting tackles for loss seems fun. And they're attacking teams now. And they've added two more turnovers. And now at 13 for the year, they had eight all of last, last year. year. They had th- 13 turnovers through six games. And they're creating massive plays at big times now. I think you saw a short – obviously McCain being out mm-hmm. and, uh, and Wake being out and Hayes being out and Harris being out. Like, you're starting to see it in, in terms of the overall team speed and the – Tariq Cohen just sliced yeah. them apart. And Taylor Gabriel is one of the five fastest receivers in football. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. that's – like, Trubisky made a couple of great throws to him. He got behind McTire. I thought the first one, he did all he could. People were turn around, like – Corners don't always turn around. Like right. we've watched enough football, it, it doesn't happen every time. I thought McTyre was just unlucky on that first one, but uh, yeah, I, I think in the second half they got sliced apart. It not helped, obviously, by the interception from Osweiler that sets them up at their seven. But I, I didn't think the Dolphins' defense was good in the second half. But I think again, you survive the game right. and and you you create the big plays you need to create. And I guess they stopped the Bears, you know, the the the, the Bears back enough mm-hmm. to where Cody Parkey has to make from 52 instead of from 42, and that's how you win the game. But I thought in the second half there were some things that can, that, that can clean up, and you just saw a shortage of players. Like, and and we talk about the Dolphins not having depth. Mm-hmm. The one area where we know we know that they do is defensive end, and it's they gone. came into the season with five. It's with gone. Five. It's gone. You, like you, sometimes you don't have room for three. But that's why you also say you can never have enough of them, right? right. So so even when we've criticized them for Andre. But, Branch in that contract, right? They they went and go get Jonathan Woodard, who played well. He's their sixth defensive end, right? Like it's it's crazy the the, the bad luck they've had at that position. Hayes was supposed to play both spots, but the whole bend but not break thing. The Xavier Howard, you know, interception in the end zone against the Jets. Uh, Rashad Jones Mm -hmm. end of the half 
making the stop at the one against the Jets, against the Jets which ran out the clock. You know, the two turnovers yeah, today, today in the end zone. Uh, on, on your, you know, backed up in your own end. So they, I mean, you can say some of it's fortunate, but also, like I said, they're not quitting on plays yeah. at that stage. And that's and they're clearly seeking it out. I think in yeah. years past, they're just trying to survive plays and limit the damage, whereas this year they're trying to be an aggressive defense that creates plays. If you give up some yards in the process, if you give up some big plays, mm-hmm. fine. But at the very least, you're trying. Like I was noticed, I noticed on one play, Xavier Howard lined up on Allen Robinson. He's a yard away from him. Like He's right. playing press man-to-man they on haven't the outside. Pl- they haven't played press coverage here consistently since Pat and Sam retired. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, they just have not been in position to do it. Um, I mean, Grimes, I mean, they've had some decent corners like Grimes and others, but uh, the, I haven't seen them play as aggressive on the corners they have there. All right, let's get to part five here and let's look forward a little bit. Sure. And you know, you mentioned the Lions are here next week. As we tape here, you know, the Patriots have not played their game this week, and obviously they got a challenging one uh, coming up. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, look, you're four and two. I don't feel they're a great four and two team. Um, I like you said, the consistency from the defense which kind of fell apart here in the second half, was the one thing you were counting on, and now you don't see it, and now you're losing bodies. Um, And some of the same problems persist, you know, in terms, like I said, the slow start again today offensively, but the defense kept them in the game until it started to wear down, and then you saw what happened at the beginning of the third quarter. But this is all going to be about the quarterback. We know it. And, And so, you know, again, the information we have as we tape this is that this could be a little while. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious to see what other teams do to prepare for this team differently because it did seem like in some ways, like you mentioned, after the beginning of the game where they did seem to be operating in a phone booth, Gase got more aggressive as the game went on. And Osweiler got, got more and aggressive. Osweiler got more aggressive. They both got more confidence. And I wonder if they'll be more aggressive. It's one of the things that, that CK has touched on is that Tannehill was basically throwing everything short or deep. Right. All the intermediate stuff was gone, and he felt that was a result of possibly the two injuries. Possibly and losing our zip and arm strength. The, when you, we throw a fifteen-yard out route. You got to get you, it. There. You got to get it there. And so, not having the shoulder, and also his kind of fudginess in the pocket now because of the knee, which is not totally right. And we've seen that with other quarterbacks. Again, we're not making excuses. We're just trying to sh- tell you what we've seen when you yep. look at the tape. Um, so. I just wonder having Osweiler, who at least Gase knows is healthy. Because, look, Gase has known. Like, this HIPAA thing is ridiculous. Gase, ha- <laughs> Gase has known for weeks whether his guy is right or not. Correct. Whatever your criticisms of Adam Gase are and whether he's gotten the most out of this offense or not, he spends a lot of time around quarterbacks. He knows what a quarterback's plant foot is supposed to look like. He knows whether a quarterback is getting rid of the ball quicker because he's afraid of the rush. Or if his or if his or his throws look the same. Right. They time all this stuff. Okay, yes. Every, it's a timing offense. They, they know when the ball is supposed to get to a certain place and how fast it's supposed to get there. The velocity for Tannehill over the past couple of weeks was not where it should be. So I wonder if Gase just having a guy who he may know is not great and yes. maybe not as good as Tannehill overall, but at least he knows he's healthy. Mm-hmm. That there and the may- only the only time that anyone ever thought anything of Brock Osweiler was when he was in Denver with Gase with, with Gase and helped the and helped uh, the Broncos. Houston, Houston thought too much, right? Right, but that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that's they thought too much. Elway wasn't fooled, but 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 and, and so Dolphin fans shouldn't be fooled here. Look, it's a good story. Um, it was a really compelling game. Uh, I was glad we were here for it, um, and that was a fun locker room. But let's mention one thing here. If the Jupiter juggernaut, Jason Leisure's favorite kicker, okay, makes a kick, uh, Cody Parkey, that he made while he was with the Dolphins, yeah. which got the Bears to pay him, 
we're having a totally different conversation today. We're talking about the defense falling apart in the second half. We're, we're probably t- most talking about Kenyon Drake's fumble. At the we're talking about Kenyon. Yeah, he got off. He got he off did. the hook. He, he got off the hook. Uh, because we would have been talking, again, not just about the fumble, but about the fact that Drake has not been the factor we expected him right. to be this season, that they've had to lead on Gore as much as they have. So I don't want to get too carried away with this, but because we're going to talk about another team in a second yeah. that is in much worse shape, you take the win and you move on. Correct. And, th- and that's the NFL. And we were talking about it today amongst ourselves. I thought Smoot from Ballscast was to- was totally right. Like, th- none of this means anything, right? Like, what happened today, right. Brock Osweiler being good, it's not like all of a sudden you found a guy in Brock Osweiler that's going to lead you at the quarterback position for years to come. That's just not the reality of his career. He's never going to be that guy. But you won a game. It was a fun game. Dolphins right. fans had a fun afternoon out. Like, that's more they than win enough. here. That's all you want. They win here. They win here. That's they, correct. They, we they talk win about, here. We talk about the Patriots owning the Dolphins. They have above 500 record against the Dol- uh, against the Patriots here. in this stadium. Like they win home games, and it's fun for the fans to come out. I will say though. Tons of Bears fans. Oh, oh my God! God. Well, I was, like, I was, was walking through that parking lot at about eleven fifteen, and it was, it was all like, Bears so fans. I, so I was. Uh, I was. Uh, we're, we're sitting in the press box. They didn't have the referee's mic being piped in, and they uh, and and after the coin toss, there was a cheer that went mm-hmm. through the crowd. I'm like, who won? Because the, because because the Bears fans had cheered right. th- like there was a there was a penalty decision uh, or no it was after the challenge remember Adam Gase challenged to play mm-hmm. it was and it ended up being upheld but when uh, but when they upheld it it was a catch over on the sideline mm-hmm. and when they upheld it a, a, a cheer went through the crowd I'm like oh they must have overturned it and it's like no no the Bears fans are this loud that it sounds like your average cheer after a call is upheld but it's it's. Really cool that the home fans here, that fans in Miami, get to see their team when they come out to the stadium win more often than they lose. What's so strange about Dolphin fans is when you go to other stadiums, Dolphin fans represent very well. Agreed. But in this stadium, they give away their tickets. Right. It's just it's, it's, it's almost like, and I've noticed this too since we've gotten in the podcast game here, and I see where our downloads come from, mm-hmm. and how many of our down, Dolphins-related episodes are downloaded in places other than South Florida. Yep. I, I, I don't know. I feel like the people who are not here anymore have this affection for this team, and the people who are here are done with it. Right, it, exactly. It's, it, it's, kind of, it's just kind of odd because you will see when Pittsburgh's here, when Chicago's here, when Philadelphia's here, when New York's here, you will see, even when Buffalo's here to a degree, you will see— there were, uh, ton of Raiders fans here. Well, my dad, that, my, my dad was among thing. them. Like, like there, there are a lot of NFL. If I was talking about with Crowder, it's like, well, what about when Pittsburgh comes? What about when Dallas comes? What about when the Jets come? When the Bills come? Like, there's a lot of NFL fan base that travel really well and they love coming here because we're, we started to see snow today in right. Denver and it was hot as hell today. Uh, yeah, today, oh my, today, my today, God. T- today was not pleasant. Today was not pleasant. All right, but let's get to something less pleasant after this break. We'll get back to the episode in a second. You know, by now, you know we're giving you a ton of free content. We've got 13 podcasts in the network. We've got a couple more coming in the next couple of weeks. Don't want to tip that off. But we also have a patron feed because enough is never enough. And we're extending our offer $3, no longer 5 bucks. $3, and you get all of the content that's on there, which includes commentaries for me from other hosts in the network but also one pod in particular that's been getting some attention. <laughs> yeah, the War on I-4 podcast has been terrific with Jeremy Taché, Brian Goins, Tito Bonacci, and Josh Appel. was listening this week because we made them our five-reason spotlight here on our feed on the podcast, and it was a delightful argument with Jeremy and Josh. They were going at it about what, how UCF would fare in the ACC, and I was listening to it as UCF was down two touchdowns in Memphis over the weekend. I texted the three of them, and I was like, listen, 
I'm ready. I'm ready. If UCF loses and Miami wins, I'm ready. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get to unveil all that trash talk, but really good arguments there. And obviously covering UCF, they remain unbeaten, and they'll carry on to try and make the college football playoff against all odds. But lots of great stuff on the Patreon feed. Go to patron.podbean.com to, again, it's $3 a month. I mean, that's as little as we could possibly ask for out of you, the listener, to support this podcast and also find out more information about the Patreon feed on Twitter at 5 Reason Sports. All right, let's get to the next part of the podcast here, and I've delayed as long as I can. Yep. And we don't like this because we want as many of our teams to be compelling as possible, and basically the dream of a compelling Kane season came to a halt in Charlottesville on Saturday. And this loss, to me, is more disturbing than any of the others they've had recently. And, look, Mark Richt, let's just be honest, has not beaten a good team in the past 10 games. And don't give me FSU by no, a no. point no, they're not good. at home. All right, the other teams that they've beaten are Savannah State, FIU, uh, people trying to sell me on Toledo on the road being a great win. It's not. These are not great wins. And any team they've lost to that's been reasonable, any team they've played that's been reasonably good, they've gotten pounded by, or a team like yes, or Saturday, Virginia, that is not very good, and manhandled them. Just yeah. manhandled them. Mm-hmm. I, I, and we can talk quarterback, and I, I understand that's where everybody wants to go here. And why did Richt pull Perry so quickly when he's had, you know, with Rozier, he's had a much sort of, you know, longer rope there in terms of how he's allowed him to, to go out there and play. But uh, the reality is, I mean, that's not a team that should be manhandling you where you can simply not get first downs. And it was not just the quarterback, that offensive line. We talk a lot about offensive lines because we talk about the Dolphins. Dolphins offensive line rose to the occasion, you know, against the Bears, mm-hmm. and the UM offensive line was completely outplayed. And you look at that, you look at the fact that no matter how many turnovers you get, that defense did what it's supposed to do in yep. terms of turnovers. And, and the it's only not enough. and the only touchdown that UVA got was on an interception. I forget which one because there's three of them that gives them the ball at the seven-yard line. That was the only touchdown they got in the day. It was basically, for me, right. the same thing as the Dolphins-Bengals game last week where defense did its job. Defense is one of the ten best in the country. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and that's why I, I, I get called a homer all the time and perhaps fairly because I went to the school. But like when people say this team isn't good, they're really good at defense. Yeah, they're good at one side. Like, like they're, they're really, really, really good at defense. But like I would say probably the biggest indictment of the Rick era so far is we're three years in and – we're no closer to figure out figuring out who the quarterback is going to be. But even more importantly, obviously the offensive line plays a role, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you can't block, you can't do much of anything, right? Like you, if right. if you can't run the ball, like I was just I was looking at the at the rushing statistics. Travis Homer has eight for seven for ninety five, but he gets caught on a seventy yard run mm-hmm. that he should not have gotten caught. He clearly ran out of gas, and the DB catches up to him. Outside of that. It's seven carries, 25 yards. DJ Dallas, 10 carries, 24 yards. Like, you can't run the ball against UVA. And I saw I saw someone say that, oh, if th- that looked like an Al Golden coach game. Al Golden used to handily take care of these lesser opponents yes. in the Coastal Division. They would lose the, you know, the one-odd one a year that would, that would frustrate you, but... Like generally, when you go, when you come up against you know a school like Virginia, you have the better athletes. You can manhandle them up front. You can beat them with speed. And look, Bronco Mendenhall is a really good coach, and I think Virginia is going to be a credible ACC program for a while. But they should not be out athleting you like that. Can't happen. Those should be games you win comfortably and offensively. 
I would just say my biggest criticism of them right now is I don't know what they want to be. Yeah. And, like, uh, do you want to be a running team? Do you want to be a throwing team? Do you want to be a spread team? Do you want to be a tempo team? I don't team? think he trusts like, his quarterbacks. I, I th- I, to me, it's as simple as uh, – look, I don't think he trusts his offensive line. Yep. And I don't think he trusts his quarterbacks. And when you don't trust those two elements – how do you decide what you're going to be? So, you know, and now what do you do? Because now right. now you've been, you you've yanked Perry after was it two series? They yanked? It was three series. Three it was, series. It was early in the early in the second after he threw his second pick against Virginia. So, yeah. you're basically saying I don't think you're good enough at mm-hmm. this stage to beat a middle of the pack at yep. best ACC team on the road in what is not the most difficult road atmosphere. Right, exactly. I get if it's at, if it's at Virginia Tech it's at night with deal. Enter Sandman, like it's Charlottesville. It's, it's like. a different deal. You were talking. I mean, look, you're, you're t- this, this is a game, and, and you talk about Golden. I'm I'm not saying Rick's a worse coach than Golden. He's mm-hmm. clearly not, but he might not be as good a coach as Dan Mullen. Yeah, that's uh, from fair. What, from what we've seen so far, and what, what the frustration of it is that the things, and I was totally in favor of his hiring, and I still think in a lot of ways he's the right guy. He's brought a lot of things back at mm-hmm. UM that needed to be brought back. I think there was confidence in him in a lot of ways. But the things that were talked about at Georgia, you're starting to see a little bit. Now, and I always said, I'm okay with it because, yeah, he always lost big games, but he got you to big games. Correct. And the games meant something. So it was enough for me. But when you look at what's happened here, yes, they pounded North Carolina. But last year, even during that run of 10-0, and there were a lot of wins they had to pull out of their ass yeah. in the last Georgia couple Tech, minutes Florida of the game. Georgia State. All right. I mean, the Pitt and Syracuse, Syracuse games, yeah. right? I mean, Pitt didn't, they, well, they Pitt, didn't pull Pitt, it yeah, out. Yeah, Pitt, you lost. They, yeah. they, they, they lost, but the Syracuse game. And I just think we're at the stage here where you have to ask some serious questions. We've talked about play calling with Adam Gase. Okay. Agreed, agreed. Uh, I I'm mean, right there I, with you. I, I mean, Mark Riggs A lot of people are calling, calling for, for, for them to bring in Ken Dorsey as the offensive well, coordinator. Well, that wouldn't be – if you heard Ken Dorsey on the Five Rings Canes pod, you might do it. You know who else you could bring in? We have, we've added uh, Brad Kaya as yeah. an analyst on Five Rings Canes. He broke down the whole UMFSU game. We don't want to lose him on the network. But, <laughs> if, if, but if he wants to head over there, that might help. But something – is a miss with him as a yes. play caller. Agreed. It's just not working. He's too conservative. There's a lack of trust. And there's a lack of identity. Like, Because mm-hmm. to me, I understood the Mark Rick that you're getting if it's Georgia Mark Rick with Matthew Stafford and David Green and, and uh, you know when David Pollock was there. Like, like you, can, you understood what that team was. They had no Sean Marino in the backfield. Mm-hmm. They ran in the I formation. But all of a sudden, it, like it, this offense looks like every other college offense, which I'm in favor of, right? Mm. I'm in favor of it looking more like UCF, right? Like but. that's so that's supposed to be what it looks like, but with a lack of execution, with a lack of offensive line play, and with lack of quarterback play, like that's his deal. It's the same thing with Gase. If your deal is I'm working with quarterbacks and I'm calling the plays, and those are the things that aren't going well, like you kind of have to delegate it again. I know. How do you I know think Kane's feelings would feel if you said right now you could uh, Manny Diaz could be your head coach? Right, and then and you bring in and he finds some offensive coordinator, one of these bright air raid spread guys that just runs his. How offense. do you think most Canes fans would feel about? Yeah, that? I mean, because the strength of the team right now is Manny Diaz, but I, I guess we don't really know what his recruiting would look like. And I know that Mark Richt is recruiting really well, and that they're 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 continuing to replenish that talent base. He is me, recruiting well, but uh, yes, on the defense, on but the defense, but yeah. on the offense. Now they they caught a terrible break with Amon Richards, yeah, and he caught a terrible break because he was supposed to be their number one offensive mm-hmm. playmaker. They caught a terrible break last year with Walton getting hurt as yes. early as he did because Travis Homer was not supposed to be the next back, mm-hmm. right? And he emerged as it. We don't really know what Linyard is okay yep. at, at this point. But clearly he got some top talent at tight end. He got top talent at running back. But we're not seeing it because if the offensive line is bad, the play calling is bad, and the quarterbacks are bad, 
getting the ball to the sky, the skill position guys to have them make a play is not going to be effective anyway. And so I do think at this stage you got to ask. Look, I'm not saying that Mark Rick should be fired, but I think some things need to change. Like that, yep. the first thing I would do is is the play calling needs to be moved to someone else. And and you know if you want to shape the overall game plan for the week and and all and all the rest of it, that's fine. But this idea and I I hold to it even after the even after the Dolphins put up close to 500 yards with Brock Osweiler. Okay, I still hold to it. I don't like the premise. And Channing talked about it on our pod. I don't like the premise of of the coach being the play caller in the same way. And we're having Stan Van Gundy on our pod this week, and we're going to talk to him about this because he tried this in Detroit in the same way that I don't like the NBA coach mm-hmm. also being the NBA team president. Because it's it's a job for two people. It's not a job for one person. It's Correct. a ridiculous amount of work, and you're basically you're homogenizing it. And and I, I get it right because Mark Richt probably wanted to get back to his roots. He called offense really well at Florida State. He called offense at the beginning at Georgia really well. But – it, it, it maybe he called offense at Florida State when he had a, he had somebody at the top of the program who right. was maybe not coaching as much as he used to, but was still a figurehead of the program. And uh, look, you don't want to say that the game passed him by, but his last offensive coordinator hire was Brian Schottenheimer, right? Like what he's doing with this offense is new to him too. Mm. Like having a quarterback that stands in the shotgun and the snap count is clapping. And, you know, we're going to run all this zone read and, and all like that's new to him. Right. It's, it's not just new to this program. It's new to him. And to me, the only way that you can salvage it is if you, you, you like I wonder what to do at quarterback now, because I, I kind of think that the Rozier substitution was kind of for me with the sheriff's substitution mm-hmm. was last year, mm-hmm. which basically just last ditch. We're going to try this and see if it works. Right. And, and if it works, then we've saved our season. And if it doesn't, then we'll we'll go back to the drawing board. But now that Rozier didn't save the season and you've lost and you don't have a chance to win the Coastal and then go and play Clemson, what do you do now? Do you go back to Perry and see if these last six games he figures it out? Or do you say, I'm out on Perry because I don't like the way he practices and I don't like the way he plays and go to Jaron Williams, who's the other young option that, that came in in this recruiting class? Like, or do you close the season, God forbid, with Rozier and you're just wasting your time? Like, I, I don't know if the answer avails itself to Mark Richt at the quarterback position. Well, I think he blew the whole thing with this change in this game because I, I think he made it impossible to believe in Perry the rest of the way. Because the next the next game is a really tough game away to BC. And, uh, again, it's BC, but the right. Friday night game every year, they get up for it. It's an ESPN no, game. No, I've, I've covered games there. That yeah. can be a really challenging atmosphere. And yeah. now you've basically told Perry he's not good enough and he's not the next guy. That, that's what unless, you unless you go to him again and stick with him through through but all I, through all these faults. I, I like, don't trust it at this point. And yeah. then and it's when do you go to Williams? So I I, I think yeah. I think they messed the whole thing up. And and it's unfortunate because as we close here, it's unfortunate because you want football season to be compelling here as long as it can be. And it is just stunning to me that somehow this Dolphin team, which I just still don't think is great. I I thought they started four and two last year. Like you're well the, within your right they to put holes in it. I mean I I picked them over six and a half. Um, but of course at Bet DSI I also took the Bears today but <laughs> I have the Canes over nine and a half so uh, my, that's hanging that's that, hanging that, by that, a thread that's not happening but but if you were to say right now look the Dolphin season a lot is alive and a lot of ways the Cane season is not and I, I would not have anticipated that Agreed. at this stage and we, we so we said right now what's the hope for the South Florida sports fan and we said Canes football and the Panthers oh, don't, don't start and the Panthers don't are start. one point from six uh, to start the uh, season they like, scored like a total of six goals yeah I know yeah. I know it, it's uh yeah I know and and Luongo's hurt and yeah we'll get to that in another podcast all right we're gonna <laughs> And who knows with Jimmy Butler. So we're right, gonna, exactly. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to talk uh, to Stan Van Gundy this week. We've also got our big NBA preview coming out on Tuesday. Talk to six different writers 
about the five most compelling teams in the NBA and the Heat. Uh, we're going to talk to Nikias. <laughs> we're going to talk to Nikias Duncan uh, about the Heat, but also Jackie McMullen uh, on the Celtics, Bruce Arthur on the Raptors, and three others. So that should be fun. We'll talk to you soon. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.